Will you stand with me for the reading of God's word? This morning, we are looking at Psalm 82. Go ahead and turn there, follow along. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, son of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, and judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you and I both know justice is not always served in this world. And that's just, that's a reality. Um, we have to understand that. We, un- we, we know that. You know, we, we've grown up in a world, for many of us, where it's not like in this um, context there would be judges uh, a lot of times at the gates if you read the bible uh, a lot and you kind of hear about like them sitting at the gates there would be these leaders that would be there uh, sometimes called elders sometimes judges and what would happen is someone would um, come and there would be an issue and it had to be resolved uh, even if you read about like uh, Moses and uh, where he was dealing with all the people's issues and problems and his uh, Father-in-law was like, hey, you need some more people to make decisions on these kinds of things. So in that world, it was a little bit smaller than in the world that we live in. Uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting about where we live is, and I sometimes uh, I can't say that I've always wanted to do the jury duty thing. You know, like I, there were times where I knew people that were able to like make jury duty go away for me. And then I kind of got convicted about that, you know, because you're like, uh, that's probably not a good thing because there are judges and juries and attorneys and all those people and there's this whole system that we could get to be able to participate in and to make sure that there are fair and just judgments that are being made and one time I did in serve in a jury and uh, at, I, I sat down there and um, after a minute and I was listening to these people I thought man this is insane and so I stood up you know I was like not stood up but I was like I, I, I kind of had to defend the proper thing what I thought was to be the proper thing and it was a uh, it was, an, it was just a reminder to me that we want wise people in places where they can speak about issues that come uh, to the forefront. So our earth, you know, as we think about it, while we're living on it, while we're dwelling in this world, um, under the fall, like every nation in the world struggles with doing what is right. I mean, you and I can like just, if you read the newspaper, which most of you probably don't these days, but um, if you're trying to read like news that was written like by people that actually, uh, you know, addressed broad subjects or whatever, you would still see there's all kinds of injustice in the world. There are people being oppressed, and um, sometimes the people in power are extremely liberal. Uh, sometimes the people in power, you might say, are more conservative, but then have some areas where you're like, ah, they're conservative, but I don't think they're addressing this issue. And the reality is, whenever you look at any of these uh, subjects uh, or the subject matter you think man this is it's really tough it's hard for us to do what is right and good and one of the things you see in this particular text as you're thinking about it is um, 
the issue is, is whoever is in power will oppress those who are not. That's kind of uh, what you would see over and over. And so power is not always associated with money, but in this text, uh, you see it, it kind of has that feel where it's like they're in power because they have resources, and as a result, those who are without them uh, are in bad pl- a bad place. They don't have like a proper defense, you could say, or whatever. But uh, something I thought about just um, recently, we were in a country uh, doing some mission work, and the, uh, there was a guy that said, you know, he's told me several times, don't ever mail anything to me because if I go to the mailman or whatever, the postmaster in our area, they're going to charge me more than what you sent me is worth. You know, because they, they were in this world, I mean, they're in that kind of world. And so the way in which, like, you know, if I were to show up and say, I'm going to go get that mail, it would be one thing. But if he were to show up, it was just, it was just one of those things. So you just have to take everything down there with you and not send anything early because he wouldn't be able to get it, you know, in the current situation that he was in. So um, that's kind of what we're looking at today. We're dealing with the issue of justice, and uh, I always think of Micah 6.8, and I think this is, it's a verse that, like, if I was a, a, a young person or an old person, and I want to, like, say, hey, I need to keep myself right and in clear, you know, thinking clearly, it says this, he has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Those are, that's, that's a, a central kind of thing for you to understand a Christian ethic, a way in which you ought to live and think and act uh, in the world that you live in. Um, so when we're looking at this text, just a cut, one problem kind of rises, and I want you to look at it with me real quick, because we always study through books of the Bible. We are studying through uh, the Psalms. We're looking at a yeah, Psalm Sometimes two psalms together, but um, we're looking at, at psalms like in the summer. And so Psalm 82.1 says this, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. Now you're like, wait, hold on. I mean, and if you're honest, you're looking at that, you're thinking, in the midst of the gods, like isn't there one true and living God? Like who, what are, what's the deal here? In the midst of the gods? I mean, have, ever, have you ever thought about that and heard that or read that text? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But look at verse 6. I said you are God, sons of the Most High, all of you. And so we're dealing with the issue of justice. We're dealing with the issue of judgment, making good judgments. And when we're doing that, we are saying, okay, hold on just a second. God is calling somebody gods, and there's some kind of counsel that he, in a way he's called them up. And, and again, there's, there's all types of ways that we see that in the Scripture where God will summon Israel and call them together, you know, and speak to them corporately. But again, that's kind of where we're at. So about like a, maybe about 100 years ago and, and up to this present time, uh, some people would see these as like the, he's calling up the spiritual powers. It's a way of saying the powers behind the powers. And then another way that's maybe it's more, it's an older way would be like these are the uh, Jewish uh, leaders, uh, Jewish judges that he is speaking to. I'm going to help you understand how to read that, hopefully, and you can come to your own conclusion. And at the, in one sense, it does not matter me, to me today other than to just say at, at, wherever you, you know, fall down on this issue because at the heart of it is on the ground, on earth as we live, we are to seek to do the right thing. That, that's kind of the idea here and we know this is another reality we know behind all powers are 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 these heavenly powers 
We, we know that. We know that to be true, that there is a spiritual realm that you and I don't talk about all the time. Maybe we don't think about it that very much, but if you were to take the curtain and pull it back into the spiritual realm, we understand that there are spiritual powers and that Paul said we, we fight against spiritual powers in the heavenly places. So we know that to be true. So I'm going to read a couple of passage, passages from Ephesians. Um, uh, in Ephesians 3.10 it says, um, So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So there, there are rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12 says again, like I said, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So all of us have to say there are spiritual forces of evil. We probably don't think about them enough. And some people think of this passage as speaking to that. Colossians chapter 1 says, uh, that Jesus delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred, or God, sorry, the Father, uh, delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred into us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Isaiah speaks of God both judging heaven and earth, those things. So again, what are we talking about today? We're talking about justice. We're talking about things being done right. We're talking about it being equitable for all. That there are not like the people in power get their way and the people that are not in power get like trampled on. That's what we're talking about today. But the issue here, we're just asking ourselves like what are we talking about when we're talking about God? So some people would see that as he is speaking of spiritual beings and they would take even like Job 1.6 where the sons of God, these spiritual beings, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came among them. And see they were actively working in this present world. So you could take that route and look at it in that way. And I'm not going to spend any more time on it, but I just, that's one option. Um, I, don't, I don't take that option personally. Uh, I don't think of, like when he, you speak of angels and demons as spirits, the idea is when he speaks of them like dying later, uh, they may be punished in the lake of fire, but not like men die. They're, they're not like men. There's something distinct about that. So I also would say Jesus uses this kind of, he uses this same phrase, and, and he actually, in a way, like cites Psalm 82 and says, hey, um, he, he says, hey, remember, you religious leaders were ca- called gods. Why are you messing with me when I say I'm the son of God? He uses that as a, an example, and I think that kind of makes me think that's what we're talking about. So, again, we're talking about justice. Some people would talk about these spiritual beings. Other people would say, no, we're talking about judges, is which that's where I come down and particularly the judges in Israel. So why would we do that? How would you come up with saying, like, God's saying about humans that they're gods? Like, why would that be something you could say, even? And uh, Exodus 21.6, this is an example of that. Um, There were times in civil law that somebody would come, would be a servant to someone for, like, six years, and on the seventh year they might get released. What they, if, if the people said, I don't want to get released. I want to stay with this man forever. He's been good to me. I want to be a servant the rest of my life. Well, what they would do is, and, and this is kind of the, the way in Exodus 21.6 that you see, is they were to take those people to Elohim, which is a word that can be just generally translated God. Take them to that leader is the idea and have them like put a little spot in, or like, I don't know how you do it. You drive a little nail in their ear, and it was kind of like you were forever this person's uh, 
servant, you might say. And so the NIV version says it rightly. It's, it translates it this way, that his master must take him before the judges. But the idea there, the, the, the word there is Elohim, which you would say, wait, isn't that God? Well, it's the idea is that they're making decisions on behalf of God on earth. They're making decisions on earth for them. So I just say that to help you understand kind of where we are. And again, in, Matt, in John chapter 10, verse 34 through 36, Jesus addresses the same thing and he says, hey, you guys understand that all of these people were called gods as, why are you messing with me when I call myself the son of God? He's not diminishing his place or his status as higher than them. He's just saying like, you know, when people are in the place of judge, they are in the place of judge and God calls them gods. And that's what I think is going on here. So you're like, man, don't take me through all that again, Jared. Okay, I'll just say this. You ready? Because I want you to know, when you're looking at this, we're talking about God's judgment. And God is saying there is a just and right way to do things. There is a right way to live. There is a right way to treat people. And um, these people that are not treating people properly, these, these uh, ones in authority that are not treating people properly, they will answer to God. That, that's at the heart of it. They will answer to God. And so let's look at the court kind of being convened. They're pulled together in verse 1. You can see that. And they're, they're pulled together, and there's this, this council where God is calling all them together to bring them to judgment. He is addressing what is going on on earth with them. And he is saying, like, this is not right. Uh, there was a, you know, most of you have heard of Martin Luther. Uh, there was a time there where there was this peasant revolt during his time of life. And when he was... Um, he, he was, like most people thought, oh, Martin Luther, he'll come join us in this peasant revolt. And he didn't because he, did, uh, he, he basically said, like, hey, God has orchestrated or ordained these, these people in spiritual, or, I'm sorry, in earthly leadership in places of authority, and uh, I'm not going to step into that. Like, y'all, like, God's put those people there. And really, Martin Luther had experienced the time when someone saved his life, the prince saved his life from the Pope. And so he's like, hey, I think there's a good place for human government, and they need to, uh, it, it needs to be there. And so he recognized that place of authority, as do probably most of you would say, I'm glad that there are people that are like ruling and reigning in our world. I don't always agree with them. We don't always think it's right. We don't always think those things are just or whatever it might be, but we are thankful that those people are there. So I think it's important to understand that. And, and Luther kind of struck a balance between saying, you know, at one level I can say, um, you know, these people are placed here, but on another level I have to say to myself, like, there is a God who reigns over all of them. So nobody's doing, and these, everything that's going on in this world, nobody's doing things that are not, uh, like filtered through his hands. God is over all things. He's going to ultimately be the final judge. And so I can trust that the Almighty God is in charge of the world even though it seems chaotic and there's a bunch of messes all around me. So this court is brought together and they're indicted. Look at verse 2. What are they doing? He says, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? What, what happens is here in the context is he's saying like, you guys are lo looking at the wicked and like letting them get away with stuff that they, they shouldn't be, uh, be getting away with. I mean, it's a crazy thing to watch that. Y'all are letting that go on. Now, you might say, well, what's going on with that? If you go down to verse 3, you'll notice the kinds of things that they're doing. 
they're oppressing the weak and the fatherless and afflicting the destitute. What's happening in this case, again, not always, but in this case, it would be like those who are in a power and authority and likely wealthy have begun to hurt those who are, uh, that have no power because they can, because they're like, hey, I have this and you don't have it, therefore I stand in judgment over you. We're in the place of great authority. You don't have to, uh, you're going to have to do what we say and we're going to oppress you. And so that was what was taking on, taken on. You might have seen that in your own life when you're looking at stuff where you think, there's somebody that's prominent, and for whatever reason they might be prominent, maybe because of their job, and they use their job as an advantage, you know, and they think, hey, I'm in a place of prominence, I can push down other people because I am in this place. And they begin to believe what people say about them and how people are respectful to them. Oh, you're so-and-so, oh, blah, blah, blah. There's families like that where it's like, oh, I, you know, that's such and such, oh, that's so-and-so's boy or girl, you know, or whatever. And there's this place of kind of prominence. And depending on the size, like in a town of Texarkana, there's that kind of thing. But there are in larger cities and then sometimes in smaller places where it's like, you know, you're the big fish in a little pond and you think you're something, you know. And so that kind of stuff goes on. And I think it's important just to, to recognize that and say, hold on just a second, does God want things to be right for all people? Does he want there to be justice for all people? Not just for you because you're prominent or you have, you know, some kind of, you know, maybe you have money or maybe you have power or maybe you're in this place or maybe you have a certain position or maybe you have a certain education or whatever it might be. God really is interested in things being right for all people. And the real deal is a Christian, you should too. You should want people to be treated fairly, justly in all things. So, this, this text is kind of helping us see what's happening is and what might have happened oftentimes would in those, those time periods. And you see it maybe not as clearly in America because it's kind of a weird deal because we wouldn't see it. It's not, it's not like a really small place, but like in some small countries you go to, like if you don't carry some cash with you, it's hard to get things done. I mean, that's just everybody wants, that's kind of how it's understood. You just hand money until you get to the place you want to be. And you might say, well, that's true in America too. And it, it, it is, but it's harder to see because it's so, it's, it's so much bigger. It's like stuffed into places. You can't see it. It's kind of like you can't really understand what's going on. And that is a reality where there, there are those people. And then there's like, for instance, in our day, just in America, which is something kind of new. If you've studied anything about, you know, uh, corporate America in some ways like right now you think man there's uh they're moving and shaping the world in ways that I never really realized and I think that did happen if you read broadly you understand that's happened in other countries but but there's things going on with like large corporations where they're moving and shaking and driving different things in different ways and so at the heart of this though what we're saying is is look whoever's in the place of prominence and power they always naturally can go to a place of oppressing other people they, they, they actually, they do that regularly. Okay, so then verse 3 and verse 4, here's the command given to these judges, to these powers, to these people in powerful places. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. You know, like kind of be a good Samaritan. That's kind of the idea. And some of you might be like the people in that day are like, Samaritans are, 
horrible. I don't like Samaritans, you know. But he's saying, like, be like them. Like, take care of those who are in need. Do not afflict the destitute. Just because you have power, don't use your power to your advantage. It's kind of the idea there. And that's something, again, that we have to constantly consider. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we might think, let's say, uh, if, if you might think, my person's in power. You know, maybe who I voted for, the judges that we wanted on, you know, in the Supreme Court, they're in power. Uh, and then other times you might say, no, it shifted the balance of power. And in either case, what you really want is for it to be right, for things to be right in the sight of God and for us to treat people properly. And so these judges are not taking care of the, the least of these. You remember in James where he says, this is pure and undefiled religion, that you would uh, keep yourself unstained by the world and that you would visit the widows and orphans in their distress? Why is that? Because it's really easy not to take care of them. Why? Because what advantage is there to it for you to help somebody who's in need? There, there's an element to where you kind of think, like, if somebody's, uh, those kind of people cost me money or time or resources or whatever it might be, those, somebody else, if I help them out, they may help me out later. But there's certain people that come along in your life where you think, like, they're never going to help me out. You know, I'm, I'm giving and serving them, and they're never going to kind of bless me back, if you will. Now, going back to these leaders, he's addressing them, and there's a command to them to take care of those who uh, need to be taken care of. And again, that, there's so many things can be running through your mind, as are going through my mind when I'm reading this passage. There is an element where you say, like, well, what does that look like to help people in need? You know? And that's a big question, and you've got to think through that, and I do too. Because, you know, like at our church, there are people that call all the time that need something, we're not, I mean, there are people that we support in this community, like Mission Texarkana, that they're kind of, we're sending money to because they have kind of figured out a way to handle some of that. Uh, we don't just say, hey, like everybody that says they have a need, that means that they have a need. I mean, there's a lot of questions you could ask about this. And even you think about in Old Testament Israel where they would leave the corners of the field, but the people still had to work for the food, you know? And so there, there's, this, there's this thing where you're having to think through, what does it mean to help the needy? What does it mean to help those who are hurting or struggling? And I think you have to use some wisdom about that. And, and I think in this text, what he's saying is, the big deal for you is, is like what happens is there's these people in places of power. They might can push some money across the table or really under the table and get what they want done. And then the weak and the struggling, they couldn't do anything. They, they couldn't stand up for themselves. They couldn't fight for themselves. So they might be mistreated and nobody's going to treat them well because they don't have the resources to defend themselves. That's kind of the idea. But all of us have to look at that and think about that and consider how do we help those in need. And some of you do a really good job here that you've helped the fatherless, you've helped the weak, you, the least of these, you, you follow in the steps of Jesus and you're serving and blessing other people in, in amazing ways. And so I think it's important to see that and understand that and, and grasp that. Um, one of the things Martin Luther said about these three verses here in three, four, I mean two, three, and four, this is what he said. Um, Every prince should have painted on the wall of his chamber, on his bed, over his table, and on his garments, these verses. To really consider what it means to act properly when you're in that place of making judgments. 
For here they find what lofty, princely, noble virtues their estate can practice, so that the temporal government next to the preaching office is the highest service to God, the most useful office on earth. Because what? In the, you're standing in the place of God. In the sense of this, you are, you, are, you are really saying guilty and not guilty. You're saying like this person needs to make restitution and this person's been offended. You're dealing with all aspects of human life and you want to protect those who are in need and those who have been hurt by others. So that's kind of the idea. So you have the court, the indictment, and then you kind of ask yourself like, what happens if you live in a world where the judges are foolish? That's kind of a big question, you know, like what would that, look at verse 5. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. When foolish people lead things, it is so costly. Like that's the thing you have to say. It's so costly. It's something that, it's so difficult because it literally breaks down the foundations of human society. It, it breaks down like all types of things. Like it will destroy the family. It destroys what it means to be like in a heterosexual relationship between men and women, like to understand like what did God intend, like all that kind of stuff. When things are in the state where unwise people are leading, the foundations of human flourishing are in constant like disarray. There's so many troubles around us. And so we have to stop and consider what, what would one do in this kind of place when those in power are foolish? They don't understand justice. They don't understand what is right. They don't know what's right. They, the, the truth is, like the Scripture says, has stumbled in the streets of every corner. What, what do you do? Well, what Job did was, because some people would say, like, I don't know, we just don't do anything because there's nothing you can do. Well, Job in his day, he said, as a judge in his community, I delivered the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had no one to help him. The blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Job 29, 16, and 17 says, I was a father to the needy, and I searched out the cause of him who did not know. I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. So what, what, what would you do? What can the righteous do? Well, they could be like Job. And that could be something as, as easy as if you're a little kid in here and you're in your family and you know things are being done wrong. Or maybe you're the most strong person in your family, the oldest son or daughter, and you can like oppress somebody in your family and you start, start to say, what would Job, how would he react? Or maybe you do have more power and influence than that. And maybe you do, you are able to. Maybe you're in an attorney or maybe you are in a place of, some kind of authority, or you, you have a, an ability at work to make decisions that are right and good for people, and people, even when there's somebody that you think, like, they're going like, to take the guy down, he has no authority, and you treat them right. And so I think that's what the righteous do. They consider how they might bless, because what he's saying is, is um, these people in power at this time are wicked and foolish and ignorant, and their actions are all messed up, and they're shaking the whole world up. And you and I know what it's like to live in that kind of world. I mean, that's just a reality. And so we have to consider those things. So we know that God's going to judge them. We know that God knows what is right and good. We know that His words are true. And sometimes the reality is we live in a world where we see, and, and really every generation has seen time after time again, 
people living in an ungodly and an immoral way. So verse 6 and 7, here's the sentence. I said you are God's sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like a prince. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, you judges, those people in places of authority, of power, of making decisions about like people's lives and their, their life and death decisions you are making over them, uh, those who are making decisions about just everyday issues that are going on, those of you that could like rescue someone but you failed to do so because you're like keeping your power over doing what's right, he says like, you know this, you're going to die like any other man. That, that's a shocking thing for some people. Like, you're not going to live forever. You will not live forever. And so you can walk around all proud and think you're running things and doing this and doing that, but guess who's coming? Death's coming. Guess who sinned in death? The Almighty God. Guess who holds the power over life and death? Him. And you will not stand forever. And some of us get really stressed out and we think about the powers, you know, let's say in our country in this moment, and you get so worried about it. The issue is God's going to be in charge of all of that. He already is in charge. He reigns over it all, and he's going to address it. Those powers will not be forever because God is over all. He is the final judge. So guess what happens in verse 8? He prays, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. It's a prayer. It's a way of saying, like, pray for God to come. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray and say, Lord, we long for the day when your kingdom will come in all of its fullness. And while we still live in the present, we pray for that to happen. And whatever way that our hands can be involved in doing what is right, the issue is not to sit around and like, I don't think the issue is for us to sit around and complain. I, I, don't, I really don't. I think sometimes it's like, man, you can sit around and complain all day. What does that do? What, what does that do? Like, what value does that bring? What you ought to do is say, in the areas where I can make a difference, go make a difference. Where I can't, Cry out to God. Deliver us, God, from these people who hate what is true and right. Don't waste your time. Like, I mean, you could spend hours every day thinking about all of the evils in this world and all the ways in which you wish it would be addressed, but the reality is, is I think you have to take the path of Job and say, wherever I have influence, I want to make sure people are treated rightly. And if I increase in influence and power... I'm going to make steps to make those things right. But all along the way, I'm going to trust that God alone is the one who is over all. And I can trust that he will watch over these things. So even if you come down and say, I think he's talking about the powers behind the powers on earth. Or I think he's talking about the powers on earth. Who cares ultimately? What he is saying is that he reigns. That God reigns over all of these powers and he will ultimately execute judgment. And when we pray according to God's will, we are praying, God, set things right, and he will. And however, ways, however I can help set things right in the world that I'm in right now, God will hold me accountable to that. So may I do that. You know, Jesus, um, he came here on this earth 
And he really did do all of those things that we fail to do. He took care of those in need. He, he, took, he stood up for those who were struggling. He addressed the religious leaders of that day, those that he called kind of gods there. And all those ways he did that. And then ultimately, Jesus died on the cross, enduring the wrath of God for us so that we could be made right in spite of our failings. And so if you're here today outside of Christ, you have not put your trust in him, the ultimate and final judge. Know this, like if you continue separated from him, one day you will meet him. But it will be a terrible day. But if you will put your hope and faith in Christ, you can meet him and know that this just judge will come. And if you're standing with him and in his righteousness, you will stand not condemned, but in good standing forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for clarity of mind and heart to understand better week after week and year after year what it means to do what is right and good. We pray we would stand by that, stand up for that. Lord, we also know that we're always going to be in a world, in a fallen world where there will be a lot of corruption. So we ask, Lord, that we would not lose heart in doing good because ultimately all will stand before you. May we stand in your Son. In Christ's name, amen.